So good. Come on, turn to somebody, give them a high five. Welcome to Believer's Chapel. So glad to see you this fine morning. Come on. What a day, man. We know this. You could be anywhere right now. You choose to be right here, right now, man. We are pumped about that, man. Psalm 145, verse 3 has been kind of going through my spirit during the week. And just it's just so simple, man. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised for his greatness is unsearchable. Ah, kind of a theme, right? Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised for his greatness is unsearchable. What's the theme? What? What's the one word? What? He is what? Oh man, my, my, my goodness. Come on, 11 o'clock. You guys are awake. Come on, one more time. He is what? Oh, all right, all right, all right. Come on, and he is greatly to be praised. Man, I say this. Man, I think on his creation. I see the sun, the moon, the stars. Amazed that we have right now everything that we need to know. Oh, wow. God, I stand in awe of you. You are amazing. You are all powerful. You are everywhere all at once. I know that. All conclusively, God, I see how great you are. Oh, and then church, the reality of all of that. We have everything we need to know that God is great. And I believe that we haven't even touched the surface to the depth of his greatness, his majesty, his excellence, his brilliance. I don't even know if that's going to be revealed until we get home. And then we get home to heaven. We'll be like, oh, wow. God, I get it. Your greatness is unsearchable. Like we had no idea how great you are. We had an idea that you were great enough for us to be in awe and wonder of you day in and day out. But God, this? Wow. And church, I'm so excited just for that day that in his fullness, he has revealed his glory, his power, his might, and his greatness. And to that, man, we are so blessed and honored to be able to worship the Lord together with you this morning. We thank the Lord that you are here. been praying for you this week that God would do something amazing, amazing in our time in his presence today. Come on. We don't want to check a box coming to church. We want to come to church and come before him and say, God, move in our midst and move in and through us in such a way that we walk out of this place different, challenged, changed, convicted. Man, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it has been our prayer that you would come to know him today. Today could be that day of salvation for you, that you would know him personally as Lord and Savior. Come on, Philippians chapter three, please. Come on. Little pregame going into from here to the new year. Uh, today we'll be in Philippians for the next two weeks. We've got the, uh, the 17th and then the 24th. We'll be talking Christmas stories. It's going to be amazing for the next two weeks. We're going to take a little mini break from Philippians. And then the last Sunday of this of the year, we're going to come back into Philippians. And the first Sunday of, of 2024, we're going to finish up in Philippians. Um, and, it's, and I'm very much excited to see how we chapter four has got some juice, man. Philippians four, it's got some juice. You're not going to want to miss that. But next week, we start looking at just the Christmas story. We start looking and just some, some realities of what it is to know that God is with us. God is for us and God is in us. That's the Christmas story. Like that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks is God. He, he is with us. Emmanuel, all of the manger coming down from heaven, like Emmanuel, that is God is with us to know that God is with us. That changes everything. And then I'm changing everything to know that God is for me. Like he is actually, he's with me, not even so much. He is for me in, in, in that. And then to realize, no, wait a minute, even deeper than that, man, God is in you. He, he is with you. He is for you. And he is in you. And to realize the power and the authority all through the Christmas story. That's the next two weeks. Come on, don't miss it. 
I love it. Man, I got my flannel on today. I was so excited. This is how I shop in my closet. I shop. I don't shop. I shop in my closet. I got an amazing wife. She shops for me. I don't even know. She probably didn't buy this one. I don't know where this came from. Like, because she's like, Sean, you're wearing flannel today. I don't even know that. I just reach in. It's red. I'm like, it's Christmas, honey. In the dark, I see a red shirt, iron it, and then I, then I know what it is before I put it on because I iron it. I'm like, okay, no, it's just like, I feel like it's Christmas, so it's a flannel shirt. It's amazing. And then, because I want to, like, I want to blend in with my, with my flannel family. Like, you got the halls up here, they're all in, they're like farmers. You got the bar family, they're all in flannel. And I've actually noticed today, I've never paid attention to flannel before, but I'm like, man, there's a lot of people here um, uh, that are in flannel. I'm like, oh, I feel like I fit in for the Christmas story. And like, I feel like a redneck. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like rednecks wear flannel. And it's just like, hey, truth is, if rednecks ran the, the, the America right now, eh, we'd probably be in a better condition. Um, uh, like, like, you know, there would be no, no Michael named Michelle. Like, it just wouldn't happen with the redneck world, right? It just, it wouldn't be that way. They know what a dude is, and they say, be a dude, act like a dude, act like a man, and, and they might actually run the country better. But anyways, like, I'm so excited, because Renee is like, and listen, and this is just a true story. I saw red, like, oh, that's a nice Christmas shirt. Let's be Christmassy. Ironed it all up. Like, probably next week, my clothes will be actually on the bed. <laughs> Honey, you had your chance. I gave you a week. And, and now you're, you're dressing the way I want. So it's just amazing, church. That's marriage, and I love it. Um, come on, I'm just trying to give you some time for Philippians chapter 3. Man, come on, I want to get into this, because you see where Paul, he, he starts to bring this thing in, he, and he starts to dial this thing down, because this is a letter, and you realize that when you're writing a letter, you, you got to remember, like, we're the ones who put chapter and verse, right? We're the ones who broke it down in chapter 3 and chapter 4 and verse 1 and verse 2. Like, we did that. This was actually just written in letter form from beginning to end. And, and we're the ones who, who broke it down for us to be able to take paragraphs and understand context and, and do all that, which is beautiful, and I'm a big fan of that. But we got, we're going to read it today from, from chapter 3, verse 16, into chapter 4, verse 1. And we're going to make some points in this, and I need you to be hungry for this, and I need you to be ready for this. So come on, let's just ask God to move as we preach. God, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray for an anointing in this preaching, God, that it would just pinpoint everything within our heart today, that we would grow from this, we would learn from this, we would be hungry for this, we would dive into this, that God, we would be a people that are hungry for your word. Your word is alive and powerful. It is you on page for us that we may know you and know you deeper. We may know the plan that you do have for us. We would know our very purpose and what you've called us to through your word. And Father, I thank you for this letter. I thank you what this letter has meant to us as a church. We've dove into it. And God, I pray that you would speak in and through it today as we move forward in this letter. In Jesus' precious name. Come on, amen. I love it, I love it. Come on, verse 16, it says this. However, let us keep living. Come on, NASB is what I preach from, is what I love. Come on, highlight that, underline that, circle that. Let us keep living. And we're gonna dive into that. Come on, however, let us keep living by that same standard to which you have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For, for many walk of whom I often have told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, 
from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity of the body of his glory. What a glorious day that will be, church. And the, and the exertion of the power that he has even been subject to all things to himself. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, in whom I long to see, my joy and my crown in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Highlight, stand firm, underline it, circle it. Um, I, I love, this is where we're going today. What it, what it truly, really means in verse 16 to say, I'm gonna keep living. And then in chapter four, verse one, it says to stand firm. Paul is like, listen, listen, no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, church at Philippi, you've got to be aware of this. There are going to be times and seasons where people are going to try to sneak into your church and they do not have your best intent in mind. They are trying to disrupt that which God is doing. And th this is what he's talking about. And he says, in the midst of this, you need to keep living and you need to stand firm. And maybe there's been different things uh, just recently that have come into your world that have tried to disrupt things that are going on in your world. And the word for you this morning isn't complicated. It's keep living. And that word living means walking or marching. Have you ever seen like a marching band? Like they are, whoo, they're like on purpose, man. They're like, they're driven and they've got the thing and they're in sync and they're just going. Or you see a military that is marching or the army that is marching. Like you see them and they're like, oh, they're dialed in. Man, they got something as a target. Man, they are something of on purpose. That's, that's what Paul is saying here. You need to keep marching. You need to keep walking. You need to keep moving forward. You need to stay dialed in. You need to stay focused. I mean, I, I love to encourage people in the sense of what it is to stay focused. Know your purpose. And if someone's trying to derail that purpose, stay on target. Like keep Walking, keep marching, keep living. I love where Paul is on this. He's like, a couple things, man. You need to keep going. You need to keep marching. You need to keep walking. You need to keep living. And he says, I hope that I am that example to you. And I hope that others are that example to you. This is where Paul is. And he says, there are, there are so, some, some enemies of the cross of Christ. These are enemies and they creep into the church. And this is who they are. And in all of their nonsense, be reminded that you're not of this world, that you're now a citizen of heaven. If you are truly a born again believer in Jesus Christ, heaven is our home. Like this is, I'm just giving you the summary of where we're going today so you get it. And they said, listen, I need you to stand firm. I need you to not be moved in your faith. So man, church, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at here physically in this building. I don't know where you're at on, uh, listening online on the radio, but I believe this, that God has a word for us this morning that if we tap into this and we hear this and we respond to this and say, God, okay, you're calling me to keep going and to keep marching and to keep walking to know that you have a purpose and that you have a plan for me. And I don't care about the naysayers around me. I don't care about those who are trying to come against me. I don't care about those who are trying to come against the church. God, I am dialed in and God, I am focused and I lift my eyes up to you. Like I love Psalm 121. Lift your eyes up to the mountains. From where does my help come from? From my help comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth. Like dial into that as we, as we speak on this. And I want you to get this. Come on back to verse 16. I love this. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. 
Come on, church, what is it to keep going? Like, listen, and, and I, was, I had a meeting with the staff this week, and it's just like one of those things that is on my heart that I am, I am very concerned, I can become very concerned with as the pastor of, of Believer's Chapel is this. As believers, and, and this is not a brag, it's a brag because of you. It's because the church, the church means people. The church does not mean Sean Obergefell. The church means the people. The church means you. That means our staff. That means our volunteers that actually run this church. We are so heavy on the most amazing volunteers. I'm telling you, oh, it's incredible. Maybe about 90 on a Sunday volunteer in this church between the two services, between 70 and 90. It's just, it's incredible what happens. Like when I talk about, Believer's Chapel. Believer's Chapel is a great church. Believer's Chapel is a sound church. Believer's Chapel is, is in such a great place. And again, that's because of the church. That's because of you. But, but my concern is because it's so good. And again, that's not a brag on the church. It's a brag on you. Because it's so good, we could just hit cruise control. Like maybe your marriage is just so good. And your downfall to a great marriage is just like put it in cruise control. Instead of keep marching, keep loving, keep respecting. Come on, go above and beyond. Husbands, continue to buy your wife flowers. Continue to honor her and listen to her and respect her and love her as Christ loved the church. Come on, up your game. Women, constantly respect your man. Affirm your man. Speak life into your man. Submit to your husband. Like continually do that more and more. And as soon as your marriage is so good, you put it in cruise control, you lose. And it's the same thing with us at Believer's Chapel. BC is so good. Man, we are rolling. Man, every ministry is in the Word of God, are so hungry for the Word. We have a generation right now of teenagers and young adults in college that are truly hungry for the Word of God. They're not going to put up with the nonsense of this generation, the lies of this generation, the confusion of gen this generation, the darkness of this generation. They are standing firm, hungry for His Word, hungry to be salt and to be light and to get in the midst of darkness and light, light shine and do what light does because light always exposes darkness. That's what it does. And we have a ministry in every direction that these young adults are hungry for the word of God. We cannot just put it in cruise control and think we're going to be okay. No, we need to put the pedal down and we need to continue to push and continue to strive and continue to keep living and to keep living and to keep marching and to keep marching and to keep walking and to keep walking. Man, it is dangerous because it's good to just say, no, we're good. Set the cruise and let's just see how far we can go. No, we need to keep going and we need to keep marching and we need to march like we have a purpose. We need to march like we are dialed in. We need to march like we are focused as a church. Remember Philippi, the church this letter was written to a church, to an assembly of men, women, and children who are gathered together to honor and glorify God and to do a service for him. And, and Paul is like, keep going, keep marching, keep walking, stay focused. Again, this was the healthy church. Philippi was healthy. They were in the midst of persecution. They had people come against them. Paul writes this from prison. He was under persecution. So he's not like, oh, peaches and cream, man. It's just going to be a walk for you, piece of cake. No, he's like, no, in the middle of it. You're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of a season, man. You're in the middle of a struggle. You're in the middle of people coming against you in persecution. And Paul just simply says, keep going. Keep living. Keep marching. Keep walking. Dial in. And when everything is good, the worst thing you can do is put it on cruise control. Because then we're just maintaining instead of growing. 
I don't want to just maintain anything. I want to constantly, continuously grow and thrive and work harder and work harder and work harder and work harder. Because church, I know this is the reality of truth, that there are lives at stake. There are so many in our community that are hurting and broken and need the love of Christ. People need hope. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a result of that of joy and peace, and you will abound in hope. And our community needs hope. They need to be able able to rely, depend, and have confidence in an expectation of a God who loves them. Church, we want to see people saved. We want to see people set free. There is a difference between what it is to be saved and what it is to be set free. You can be saved, but yet still be in bondage. You can be saved and still deal with addiction. You can be saved and still deal with depression. You can be saved and still deal with anxiety. Like what, what is the reality of what it is, number one, to be saved? And then it will be our goal. In 2024, this is, I'm just giving a little bit of inch to get into 2024. It, it will be our goal as a church to see, yes, people saved every single week. But we want to see people set free. We believe by the power of the Holy Spirit that God is going to do something specific in and through those who are part of this church, <clears throat> whether it is our ministries, whether it is a Sunday, whether it's breakaway, whether it is youth ministry, college ministry, home group ministry, whatever it is, women's men's ministry, whatever it is that we are going to see those who truly are saved, but now we're coming to a point of maturity and growth that we are now set free. No, I, I have Christ I have God. I have the Holy Spirit deep within me. I know him and his power and his authority that I am now free from addiction. I am now free from depression. I am now free from anxiety. I am now free. Watch this. Watch this as we covered last week. Free from my past. It can't touch me anymore because I have been set free. We are going to see breakthroughs in 2024, I believe at a high level that we're going to see men, women, and children be set, not just saved. There's a difference. There's an addition to be set free because I don't want you in bondage. Come to me all who we worry and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's Jesus' promise. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I believe this is where Paul is in this. And he's saying, listen, I need you to keep living by that same standard for which we have attained. What is that same standard? Just going, going back to what we covered last week that he's talking about being Christ-like. He's talking about what it is to, to, to strive to be Christ-like, to walk into the maturity of, of being like Christ, to walk in the maturity of, of what it is to surrender to him, what it is to love his word, and what it is to grow and mature and hate sin. That, that's maturity. That's being Christ-like. And, and he's like, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep living. For, you can't just put it on cruise when everything is good. Come on, turn with me, please, to, to Romans chapter, chapter 12. It wasn't on the screen, but I think this was from first service. I think someone put it on the screen for me. Um, if you want to just put it up there, if it's up there, please. I want to read this because when, when, I, when I think of what it is to surrender and I think of what it is to, to keep going and what I think of what it is to, to be in a mindset of I'm just going to keep marching no matter what the world is throwing at me, no matter what season of life that I find myself in, even if it's a really good season or even if it's a struggling season, uh, man, what it is to just keep, keep going. And, and I love this. You can see it on the screen. Romans 12 says this. It's a familiar verse. You know it. Probably have it memorized. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. I beg you. He says, listen, I beg you by the mercies or the compassion of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. 
like to present. Listen, church, there's, there's, there is that being saved, and then there's the growing and the maturity of what it is to truly be surrendered. And I think that's the maturity part. I think you can come to Christ. Listen, we believe that you repent, believe, and surrender, and, and you're born again. Like, I recognize my sin. I recognize all of sin falls short. I recognize the wages of sin is death because of my sin. I deserve death. I deserve hell and punishment from God. I deserve that because of my filth and my wrong and my sin. I get that. Man. But I also, man, my eyes have been opened to know that God so loved me that he sent his only begotten son, started to the virgin birth, put him in a feeding trough, lived this innocent, perfect life, found himself on purpose, on the cross and on that cross he dealt with my sin issue that I no longer have to fear death I no longer have to fear hell because Jesus died for me he's the only answer to my sin problem and because of Jesus I know that my faith is in him and I have confessed that he is my lord there's the surrender he is my king he is my master he is my sir I know that I'm born again because I have repented from my sin I trust in Jesus alone and I know that he is my lord and that is my salvation and then it comes to the working out of that salvation, not by good works. It's working out that salvation to see that beautiful, beautiful place of Romans 12, 1 and 2, of what it is to now be saved. Now I'm working on what it is to be fully, completely, 100% all in surrendered. To be able to say to present my body as a living and holy sacrifice. Paul's like, no, I beg you of this. I beg you, I compel you, I urge you by the compassion of the mercy of God that you would, you would give your, yourself, even your bodies as a holy, living sacrifice. Now watch this. Acceptable to God. Like man, as, as being what it is to be born again, what it is to know that I am a child of God, man, I have been adopted, I belong to him. I'm a son to God because he's adopted me by the precious blood of the lamb. I can call him Abba Father. Hit on this last week. And when, and when you begin to understand that, you, you realize, man, I don't want to please him out of a do's and don'ts. I, I want to please him and be acceptable to him because I want to honor him and I want to glorify him and I want to please him according to my faith and I want to make him so proud of me. Like church, wh where is that position of surrender to say I want to be acceptable to him by the cross and by the blood? has made his access to heavenly home by the precious blood of the lamb. But in that, now because of my relationship with him, right, I want to present my body a living and holy sacrifice that is acceptable to God, that which is your spiritual service of worship. Keep living. Keep marching. Keep walking. No matter what season you're in, dial in. If everything is really good and you have spiritually put it on cruise control, Dial that back. Take it off cruise control. Get redialed in and say, listen, church, there's something, ah, there's something to not being content when it comes to spiritual growth and when it comes to winning souls. This church will never be content. We never will have enough people saved or born again or husbands coming to Christ and then full families coming to Christ. We will never, ever be content with just enough people. Man, we want God to move in a way of salvation. We want those who are broken to be healed. We want those who are lost to truly be saved. Like, I can be content in stuff. The Bible says to be content in stuff. Don't always have more, 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 more. I'm never satisfied. I'm never content. I want more stuff. I want more stuff. I want more stuff. Like you can be content in stuff, but you can never be content. I hope that you are never content 
that we have enough people or we have enough people saved. Like that is crazy talk. I want as many people who are lost. I want gospel saturation. I want this whole community and this region covered in the blood of the lamb through the word of God that they would come to know him and have opportunity to come to know him and surrender their lives to him. Like as long as there's someone who's unsaved, we want to reach that person by holding the line to truth and standing firm on truth. We are going to keep going. We are going to keep living. We're going to keep marching. We're not putting it on cruise control. And he says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Church, what the, the problem with, with trying to march forward, but yet live a conformed life to the world, taking the form of the world, taking the form of, of, of public opinion, taking the form of political opinion, taking the form of a worldview. He says, do not conform. That, that, is, that is what will crash your marriage. That will crash your progress. That will crash your relationship with Jesus when you take the form of that which is of the world. Again, again keep it in context. Look at this. Therefore, I, I beg you, brethren, by the compassion of God, present your bodies. Here it is. Present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. That is your spiritual service of worship. Do not. After that, don't go back to the world. Don't conform or take the form of the world. Two teams, church. You hear me say it all the time. There's two teams. There's team Jesus and there's team Satan. There's light and there's dark. There is right and there is wrong. Like this is where we're at in this. And he says, listen, I need you to walk forward I need you to keep living. Do not take the form of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on back to Philippians chapter three. I want, I want to get through this and I want you to see this. Amen. Again, verse 16 again. However, let us keep living by that same standard for which we have attained. That's that Christ likeness. Isn't it amazing that Jesus... First instruction to, to his disciples. He finds him in the middle of work. He finds him in the middle of casting nets, fishing. He finds his disciples and he just simply comes up on them and says, listen, follow me. Two words, follow me. Matthew says, immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. And incredible that what it is to truly say, I am a follower of Christ. No, there's a difference. Unfortunately, today, the word Christian has such a, a, a broad meaning. Everybody's a Christian. Like, it's so broad. Instead, like, no, I am a follower of Christ. I am a disciple. It means disciple. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a blood-bought, born-again follower, disciple. of Je It brings such a different, deep meaning of just Christian. Christian used to carry a ton of weight. It used to be from, from Acts. We see the first time it's ever mentioned. It's a word of actually persecution. When you claim to be a Christian, it isn't even on you. It's the world noticing that you are like Christ. It, it literally means little Christ or like the Christ. That's what Christian means. So I am a follower and disciple of Christ, right? So, so in that, I am keep living and keep that same standard to which we have attained to be Christ-like, to be followers of Christ, says his brother, join in following my example. And I, I want you to dial into this. Watch this. 
brethren, join in following my example. And this is Paul. He says this in several different places in his letters. Paul is just simply saying, do what I have done. Man, I take this on on a sense for you and I, if you are in a place of lead or if you truly are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then, then, then you should have people that you want to, to follow. If you are the husband of your house, listen, and you are the father of your children and you are the mother and you're walking in a place of being that mom and that dad in a Christian home, you want your kids, just as Paul is saying, like be the example for your kids. Be the mentor for your kids. And I take this personal as I'm like, Sean, you need to be worth following. Please hear this. If Paul is saying this, hey, follow me, follow my example. I take this personally as a pastor. I take this personally as a dad. I take this personally as a husband. Like I need to be in a place that I'm someone worth following. Be somebody that's worth following following. Be somebody that's worth being a mentor towards those who are younger and under you. This is what he says. Paul's not just speaking to himself. Brethren, join in following my example and observe. Here it is. And observe those. Like follow my example, but more than that, observe those. That's us. That's me and you. Observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Church, that's us. And I believe Paul is, is screaming about what it is to, to, to be a mentor. What it is for the older men to, to mentor the younger men. And what it is for the older women to mentor the younger women. And understand this is a picture that is set. Paul's like, listen, follow my lead. Paul's follow my example. Paul says, do what I have done. And... For those, that's us, who observe the same and attain for the same, for those who are Christ-like. Church, what is it to be under a mentor? And I believe this. I believe if you are a mother and father and you, you have children in your home, I think you are called to be the greatest example to your children. You be their mentor. You be showing them the example. I was honored and privileged to grow up in a very strong, God-fearing, spirit-led, Bible-led family of mom and dad who have a legacy and a heritage from their past of mom and dad who love Jesus, their mom and dad who love Jesus. And man, they know what it is to raise up a child, to raise up sons, three boys, in a house that shows a great fear of God, that shows what it is to love God and to love others, to show what it is of your finances first before the Lord, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a huge indicator of where your heart is. Like, I grew up under that. I grew up under that. When you have your parents as your greatest mentors, I believe family first in that. But then, man, if you would, please turn with me to Titus chapter 2. And I, and I want, this is kind of, church, this is how we've set up Believer's Chapel in so many different ways in, in discipleship and in mentoring and taking the older uh, to help the younger. And, and we, we have seen even a system at Breakaway and other ministries. I've always been one to say, I need the one-up system. 
I want the one-up system in leadership for volunteers at Breakaway. We have dynamic, incredible volunteers at Breakaway, but, but some of them are college students. Like, like, okay, good, you graduated from Breakaway. That's amazing. You're next level college student. You know what I need? If you would, man, I would love you to serve and volunteer at Breakaway now as a college student because they have seen you as high school, and now you're strong follower of Christ in the midst of college that these kids can look at you and say, I can do that. We've always lived by the one-up because I want you to be the example to those who are coming up right behind you. Now we have these same college students. Now they're married, still leading Breakaway, still serving at Breakaway, and now they're having children, which is amazing. So it's just like, man, this is incredible to see them grow up through Breakaway, serve as college students, get married, and now have children. And, and what an example for our youth to look at and say, you mean I can serve Christ and stand firm in him and keep going forward in him and have a life that looks like that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's that picture of that one up, that next level. It, 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 it's not the ones who are way far out of reach, but it's ones like, no, it's right around the corner and you can do that. That's what we've always done. And look at Titus chapter two, it says this. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, love, and perseverance. Older men are to be temperate. I love the word temperate means, listen, listen, the older men are to be temperate. That means they're supposed to be sober. Right? And that, that means two different ways. Like you're supposed to be sober in a sense of intoxicants within yourself. It, 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 it literally is even speaking about wine. Now listen, we're not religious here. If you want to have a glass of wine with dinner, go at it. If you have 10 glasses of wine with dinner, eh, we'll probably have a conversation. Like, not like It's talking about being drunk. That, 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 like don't allow something to so intoxicate you that you are no longer un, under control of your thought and your emotions and your actions. Like that, that's, what, that's what temper means. Control yourself. And, and, and it means don't be intoxicated by negativity. Like be, watch this. Please hear me. Older man, you know what it is to not allow any negative influence to come in. Like, I'm not going to allow a substance to come in, drugs or alcohol, that's going to cause me to be intoxicated. And I'm not going to let a negative influence or a person in. I'm way above that. I know I can identify easily. Like, this is where the mature man should be. The older man should be able to identify. Nah, man, you ain't coming to my circle. Nah, man, you ain't coming into my house. No, man, you are negative. No, you ain't, you ain't dating my daughter. No, man, you're a bad influence. No, you ain't coming into this house. You, and like, an older man can identify that. Because he understands, no, we got to keep sober. I'm not letting an intoxicating into my home. This is what this word means. And then it says this. Older men are to be temperate. They're supposed to be dignified. Dignified means to be worthy of respect. Hey, dude, you should hold yourself to a level of respect. You should be one of worthy of respect. It says sensible. Sensible, it means to be Sensible means to, to not allow lust or immorality to taint. It, it, it means I'm not going to lose my sense of morality because I can't control myself. It, it means to be under self-control. Older men should be under a place of self-control. Morally, lust-wise, we should be in self-control. We should be able to control ourselves. And this is you should be sound, which means to be healthy to be uncorrupted, to be healthy, to be sound in faith, in love, and in perseverance, to be able to endure, to be able to show younger men what it is to fight through it. 
to show younger men what it is to endure. To show younger men what it is to like, hey, listen, you need to be strong. Yeah, yeah, I know you're going through a season, but you need to persevere. You need to endure. You need to be steadfast. Your version may say steadfast. This is, this is the picture of the older men to the younger men. Man, we have such an incredible men's ministry. John Sheen just crushes it. He is a picture of what it is to mentor other men. Like he is the picture of this. We have, we have women's ministry that is so good at mentoring younger women. I love the mix of the men's ministry. It goes from young to old. I love the mix of our, our women's ministry. It goes from young to old. And you have such a, a strong, strong foundation of, of older women. That's not a hit on age. I'm talking maturity. I'm talking about how you can instruct and encourage and build and mentor the younger women. Look at what it says. Older women, likewise, be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the younger women. I love where Paul is like, listen, be the example. I think we need this in the church. We need discipleship. We need mentorship. We need the older holding the line to truth to give the example of the younger. We need this upcoming generation to know what it is to fight in the midst of darkness as the older generation did. We need this generation to know what it is to stand firm in the midst of adversity, to keep going and to keep walking and to keep marching, to know like, hey, we've gone through it and we're, you're gonna be okay. Like this is, this is what this is. Be reverent in their behavior not malicious gossip, nor a slave to much wine, teaching what is good so that, here's the purpose, they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, there it is again, to be sensible, to be under self-control, to be pure, to be workers at home, to be kind, to be subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. This is amazing mentorship. And I think it falls mostly on good parenting, mentoring your children and children, honoring their mother and their father and allowing them to mentor them and show them and guide them and direct them and encourage them and build them. But when you have ministries that break away, you have ministries of, of men's ministry and, and, and women's ministry, we have the older leading the younger for this purpose to say, Lord, this is the example, man. This is the picture of what it is to love your husband. This is the picture of what it is to love your children. This is the picture of what it is to honor and respect your husband. Because the older women are showing him that. Hey, 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 this is the picture of what it is to honor your wives, to respect your wives, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. They're like, and then the older men are showing, these, no, no, this is what it means to be sensible. This is what it means to be in self-control. This is what it means to say no to lust, to flee immorality. This is what this looks like. And men were called to be that example. Paul's like, man, in the sense of being Christ-like, follow my example. And those, that's us, that's you. I guess the question is, are you one worth following? Question number two is, where are you going? Where are you going? If you're encouraging your kids to persevere and go through it, have you persevered and gone through it? 
Church, I think this is such a huge point in our lives to say, am I under a mom and dad who are, who are great mentors to me and that I can mentor my kids? Am I in a ministry that I'm going to get guidance and I'm going to get help to what it is to go to the next level? To watch how they did it because they did it godly and to do what they did. Verse 6, likewise young men. So it goes from older men. Now it it speaks of what they're doing to younger men. Be sensible. Younger men, be in self-control. Like be, be, be sober in your mind of a self-control away from lust and immorality. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified. That means young man, be worthy of respect. Sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will put you, so your opponent will put, be put to shame having nothing to say about us. Back to Philippians, please. When, when you see Paul just breaking this down in this letter, man, I want, I want us to I, I want us to look at this and say, where is my example? Am I, and I, am, am I one worth following, number one? And number two, where am I going? If someone's following me, where am I taking them? If I am going to keep living, if I'm going to just keep marching, where are we going? Where are we going? In your marriage, where are you going? In this church, where are we going? In your personal walk, where are you going? And man, I'm telling you, you can't allow distractions. Church, you can't allow distractions. People can distract you. Man, I felt strongly in the first service to say this, and I just want to repeat it and say it again, that man, if you are in here, please hear me, man. We love this generation. I love I love, I love our, our, our high school kids, our teenagers that are old enough and, and mature enough to be in a dating relationship. And I love our college students, old enough and mature enough to be in a dating relationship. And maybe you're just single as an adult and you're in a dating relationship. I say this, please hear me. One of the greatest distractions that you can have is a non-believer who wants to come in and get you off course. Please hear me. If you're in a relationship with somebody, and I love where we're talking about keep marching and keep going and keep walking and keep marching and don't let distractions, you've got to stay sober. You've got to stay targeted. You've got to stay dialed in. You've got to stay in focus. That if you are truly in a relationship, even a dating relationship with someone who just doesn't want to worship Jesus, someone who does not want to come to church, someone who is not truly born again and saved, then I'm telling you, this will be a train wreck for you in the future. You're going to get hooked into this. Maybe you're even going to get physical with this. And then you're locked in in a whole different level. And you're just like, it's so hard at times to get out of. And you're like, man, what, what am I doing? How do I get out of this? Let me give you some encouragement. At 1219 on this day, you have my permission to take out your phones right now and text this individual. We're done. Salonora, I'm out. Bye-bye. See you later.
and you can blame me. The bald pastor says, you're not for me because you don't love Jesus. You're not a worship Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever, give one of them emojis or whatever it is that just gives the boot to the curb. Like whatever, whatever that picture looks like. If they don't know Jesus or if they don't want to worship Christ or if they don't want to come to church or they're not in tune with anything spiritual and you actually think that you should date this person as your pastor, I'm telling you, now it's 1220, get out your phone, give them the emoji that just boots, man, to the moon, like whatever that looks like. Because I'm telling you, this will be a distraction and you will be in a very bad place eventually to say, what have I done? You got to keep marching. You got to keep living. You got to keep walking. And you can't get distracted. Oh, come on. We got we, we, we to cruise here. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Watch this now. Where are we at? He says this, brother, enjoying to follow my example, to observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For, for many walk of whom I've often told you. Now he gets juicy here. He starts going here. He says, many walk of whom I've told, often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Like they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He's like, listen, be aware. Again, written to the church. Believers Chapel, we are a sliver, man. We're a church. We're a local body of assembly of believers. And, and he's telling us, be very careful. There will be those who try to creep into the church. There will be those who try to come in on purpose that will cause a distraction. There will be those who try to creep in on purpose with false doctrine and false teaching. There will be those who try to creep in on purpose and cause a disruption. And he's like, listen, I weep over this. I weep over that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Like He's like, I weep over this. And he's telling, again, this is a healthy church. He's like, hey, put up the guard. Be on guard. Be aware of those. And he gives us the list of what they look like. He's like, these are those who are going to try to come in and disrupt. These are the ones whose end is destruction. Their destiny, the word end, it means their destiny. The end of the line for them is complete destruction. Their God is their appetite. I love this. Their God is their appetite. The, the one that they serve is always about them. That means in their lustful pursuits. That means in their flesh. That means even in their food. It's always about them. They are trying to creep in the church and make it about them. It's always about them. Whose God is their appetite. And watch this one. Whose glory is in their shame. And I believe that we are seeing this today. I think one of the only things that I would ever speak positive of that season of the whole COVID and the whole, the whole election a couple years ago and the whole craziness of, of I mean, the wheels, the wheels in America just, they fell off. Like, it, there's like, I'm telling you, man, the wheels of America, it just, it, it, it fell apart. It fell off. It was, it was a deep, dark season for the United States of America. But I think the only thing that, that truly came about that for all things can work together for good, like God can do something good out of crazy, is you saw, you saw a significant change in, in, in churches. You're either going to hold the line biblically or you're going to fall into the woke category. You're either going to hold the line of God's truth or you're going to fall into the woke category. 
And, and church, I want you to read this carefully. I want you to see this, please. And whose glory is in their shame. Like their, their, their highest point, what they brag about, what they boast about, will bring about their greatest shame. It's their greatest wickedness, but yet they brag about it. And they boast about it. And, and, and I put this into the woke church. I put this into those who, who will fly the rainbow flag on their church as a brag, as a boast, as a high point. And that is their greatest shame. That is their greatest shame. As those who boast about wickedness, those who boast and brag about all their filth, all their immorality, and they boast on it. They dance in the streets on it. They brag on it. And the world is going to be the world. I'm looking at the church. Well, the church will fly their flag. And it literally is their deepest shame. And Paul's like, don't let this in the church. Be on guard. Be on guard. And then he says, there's those who set their mind on earthly things. All they think about is the here and now. All they think about is their temporary stuff. And they have no eternal mind because then he says this, for our citizenship is in heaven. I love this church. For our citizen, what is it to be a citizen? When you're a citizen of the United States of America, that gives us rights and that gives us privileges to be in this country. Right? That gives us right and that gives us privilege to be in this country because we're citizens of the United States of America. Church, we have rights and we have privilege because we are citizens of heaven. And, and this, is, this is what Paul is looking at. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven from whom we also eagerly wait. I, I love this, man. Come on. Church, this is what I know, man. I know that Jesus is coming. I guarantee you, I promise you, there is a day that Jesus returns. I am firmly founded on the rapture. I believe in the rapture. I believe any moment Jesus could come, return on the clouds. Boom, we're raptured with him. We're up with him. Then we're going in for a seven-year period. I'm not going to get deep into that. But you look, you look at this, and we are called to eagerly wait. We are called to anticipate, to wait with anticipation to be juiced about it, eagerly looking for, watching. Like this should be on the front of our minds. Paul's mentioned it several times now in scripture. What is it to live for your leaving? What is it to anticipate his second coming? And, and, and the, I'm speaking of rapture, not the second coming, but the rapture. Anticipate and eagerly look for Jesus' great return where the church is raptured out. And I believe it's like, he's eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like, listen, when you realize that this is not our home, when you realize that this is the, the, the present power of the air is the enemy. He is the God of this world. We, we realize that. We know that he's roaming around seeking who may may devour. We know that he is the prince of darkness. Like we know all of that is Satan. And I'm not, this is not my home. I'm not a citizen here. My citizenship is at home in heaven with him. And I know that there is a day that I look for, that I anticipate, that I eagerly wait for the beautiful return of Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. And there is a day that when he comes, I am going to go home. I'm going to keep marching. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to walk in a way 
Christ-like. I'm going to attain to that. I'm going to take as many people with me as I possibly could take with us as a church. And he's talking to the church to say, keep going because there is a day that we eagerly wait for Jesus' return. And in the midst of that, keep living. In the midst of that, keep living. Keep serving. Keep going. Stay focused. Lift your eyes up. Dial in. Like this is where we're at, church. And then he says this. We close with this. Verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm to be steadfast. And there's a season in my life at 22 that I was like, okay, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. First Corinthians 15 came just so deep and real to me. Sean, be steadfast and immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in him is not in vain. It's not in toil. It's not a waste. Sean, be steadfast. Sean, do not go back to the ways of the world. Sean, do not be conformed to the world. Sean, transform your mind. Sean, this is, and it's just this old, this mindset of, listen, I'm not going to be off course. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep marching. I'm going to keep living. I am going to strive to go forward and I am going to stand firm and I'm going to be steadfast and I'm going to be immovable. Man, I'm not going to get off target. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to allow contaminants within my family, contaminants within my spirit, contaminants within this church. Like that's not going to happen. We take this for what Paul is saying to this very healthy church to say, keep marching, keep going, take it off cruise control, put the pedal down. Lives are at stake. People need Jesus. Families need to come to Christ. Keep going, keep going, get dialed in, persevere, stand firm, be steadfast, be immovable, stand for what is right. Don't allow wrong to come in. And church, this is where we're at Believer's Chapel, closing out 2023. Have seen an incredible year this year, but I cannot wait. The pedal goes down for 2024. We continue to strive. We continue to see God do a mighty work in this region. Come on, amen. Come on, amen. I love this. I love this letter. Man, it just uh, does something to you. It does something to you. Come on, if we could just stand to our feet, please. Come on, I might not know where you're at today. But my encouragement is this. Keep living. Stay focused. Don't get distracted. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord. It gives us the direction. Where am I supposed to stand firm? In the Lord. Well, Sean, I've been doing that. Well, keep doing it. Well, Sean, I've been doing it. Keep doing it. Sean, I've been praying. Keep praying. Sean, I've been marching. Keep marching. Don't get weak. Stand firm. Firm means established. Get established. Get your foundation. Don't be moved. This is Paul's encouragement to a healthy church. If your marriage is about on cruise control, take the cruise off and, and put it down, man. Let's go. 
This church can't go in cruise control. Church, there's a day that I pray that this is standing room only in this church because there will be such a hunger for the word and such a hunger for the truth. And there will be standing room only, I believe it. Because there will be such a hunger for that which is right again. And we will stand firm in the Lord. And we will be very much on guard as a church. That we will not let those who will try to come against or those who will try to distract this body to come in this body and spread nonsense. We'll be very careful about any false teaching. Any teacher that's in this church is vetted carefully. We'll not allow any of that here. We'll be on guard. If you don't know Christ as Savior, then come to him today. Repent from your sin. Acknowledge your sin. Know that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son. He died on a cross for you. He dealt with your sin. You can't deal with it. He dealt with it. And then trust in him as Lord and Savior. Come on, just bow your heads just for a moment, man. If anybody needs prayer for any reason, we would love to pray with you up here. You're right, my left, up by the baptistry. We would love to pray for you today. If you need God to heal you, you need just prayer for wisdom, prayer for your marriage, or if you just simply want to talk more about Jesus, we'd love to talk about Jesus. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Come on, as we close in the song, I ask that you just come up front, and we would love to pray for you. Come on.